chapter thirteen of an anonymous story by anton chekhov this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter thirteen for at least half a minute i fumbled at the door in the dark feeling for the handle then i slowly opened it and walked into the drawing-room zinaida fyodorovna was lying on the couch and raising herself on her elbow she looked towards me unable to bring myself to speak i walked slowly by and she followed me with her eyes i stood for a little time in the dining-room and then walked by her again and she looked at me intently and with perplexity even with alarm at last i stood still and said with an effort he is not coming back she quickly got on to her feet and looked at me without understanding he is not coming back i repeated and my heart beat violently he will not come back for he has not left petersburg he is staying at pekarsky's she understood and believed me i saw that from her sudden pallor and from the way she laid her arms upon her bosom in terror and entreaty in one instant all that had happened of late flashed through her mind she reflected and with pitiless clarity she saw the whole truth but at the same time she remembered that i was a flunkey a being of a lower order a casual stranger with hair ruffled with face flushed with fever perhaps drunk in a common overcoat was coarsely intruding into her intimate life and that offended her she said to me sternly it's not your business go away oh believe me i cried impetuously holding out my hands to her i am not a footman i am as free as you i mentioned my name and speaking very rapidly that she might not interrupt me or go away explained to her who i was and why i was living there this new discovery struck her more than the first till then she had hoped that her footman had lied or made a mistake or been silly but now after my confession she had no doubts left from the expression of her unhappy eyes and face which suddenly lost its softness and beauty and looked old i saw that she was insufferably miserable and that the conversation would lead to no good but i went on impetuously the senator and the tour of inspection were invented to deceive you in january just as now he did not go away but stayed at pekarsky's and i saw him every day and took part in the deception he was weary of you he hated your presence here he mocked at you if you could have heard how he and his friends here jeered at you and your love you would not have remained here one minute go away from here go away well she said in a shaking voice and moved her hand over her hair well so be it her eyes were full of tears her lips were quivering and her whole face was strikingly pale and distorted with anger orlov's coarse petty lying revolted her and seemed to her contemptible ridiculous she smiled and i did not like that smile well she repeated passing her hand over her hair again so be it he imagines that i shall die of humiliation and instead of that i am amused by it there's no need for him to hide she walked away from the piano and said shrugging her shoulders there's no need it would have been simpler to have it out with me instead of keeping in hiding in other people's flats i have eyes i saw it myself long ago i was only waiting for him to come back to have things out once for all then she sat down on a low chair by the table and leaning her head on the arm of the sofa wept bitterly in the drawing-room there was only one candle burning in the candelabra and the chair where she was sitting was in darkness 
but i saw how her head and shoulders were quivering and how her hair escaping from her combs covered her neck her face her arms her quiet steady weeping which was not hysterical but a woman's ordinary weeping expressed a sense of insult of wounded pride of injury and of something helpless hopeless which one could not set right and to which one could not get used her tears stirred an echo in my troubled and suffering heart i forgot my illness and everything else in the world i walked about the drawing-room and muttered distractedly is this life oh one can't go on living like this one can't oh it's madness wickedness not life what humiliation she said through her tears to live together to smile at me at the very time when i was burdensome to him ridiculous in his eyes oh how humiliating she lifted up her head and looking at me with tear-stained eyes through her hair wet with her tears and pushing it back as it prevented her seeing me she asked they laughed at me to these men you were laughable you and your love and turgenev they said your head was full of him and if we both die at once in despair that will amuse them too they will make a funny anecdote of it and tell it at your requiem service but why talk of them i said impatiently we must get away from here i cannot stay here one minute longer she began crying again while i walked to the piano and sat down what are we waiting for i asked dejectedly it's two o'clock i am not waiting for anything she said i am utterly lost why do you talk like that we had better consider together what we are to do neither you nor i can stay here where do you intend to go suddenly there was a ring at the bell my heart stood still could it be orlov to whom perhaps kukushkin had complained of me how should we meet i went to open the door it was polya she came in shaking the snow off her pelisse and went into her room without saying a word to me when i went back to the drawing-room zinaida fyodorovna pale as death was standing in the middle of the room looking towards me with big eyes who was it she asked softly polya i answered she passed her hand over her hair and closed her eyes wearily i will go away at once she said will you be kind and take me to the petersburg side what time is it now a quarter to three End of chapter 13 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.